0: Good morning. It's good to be here today on the Lord's Day. If you're visiting with us, we are glad that you have come our way. We hope you'll stay around afterwards that we can meet you and greet you. And then tonight at six o'clock, we'll continue our worship, and we hope that you will be with us at that time. The sermon this morning is entitled, Are You Too Sensitive? And as I was working on, this was going to be the lesson for tonight, but as I was working on it, it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it got to the point that I was having to make a decision. I was either going to have to cut material out, or I was going to have a really long sermon, or it was going to become two sermons. And so I have opted to do a two-parter. We're going to look at the problem this morning, and we're going to look at the solution tonight. So you got to promise to come back tonight to get the end of the sermon. Would you be surprised if I told you that our society is more sensitive today than it was 20 years ago? I don't think you would find that a bit surprising because we live in the age of counterculture. Counterculture is the idea that if someone says something that we find offensive, society will basically shun them. We will cancel that person. We will wipe them off the face of the map. We live in the world of political correctness, which by definition is avoidance of anything that will insult, discriminate, or create a perceived exclusion. We are in the midst of the woke, the woke movement, which basically means that we are awake, we are aware, and we are attentive to social injustice. We live in a world that is offended by everything especially by the truth. And unfortunately, these movements sound good in theory, but in actuality, they have become tools for progressive activism. And they have been used powerfully by the homosexual movement. They have been used effectively by the transgender crowd. And these are tools that now have been used to silence and shut down any form of disagreement. And so, if someone makes a statement that is conservative and they don't like it, they will cancel that individual. They will rewrite the history. They will say, this is politically incorrect and the people will be silenced. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't think anyone could dispute the fact that society has become more sensitive in recent years. As a matter of fact, I was looking at some data this week, last week, from the American Survey Center. It shows that the younger generations are indeed more sensitive than the previous generations. And you might say, well, that's of course something people say, but they did surveys, and they asked them a series of questions, and what they found is, particularly the latest generation, Generation Z, that would be the youngest adult generation, those who are in college right now, according to the survey questions, they said they are more likely to be offended and they are more sensitive to speech. That is, when they hear things, it upsets them, more so than the previous generation. And as you go back, each generation tends to be uh, less offended and less sensitive Now, a good question for us would be, why? Why have we become so sensitive today? Ideapod.com has an article that addresses this question, and this is what they say. They say, perhaps one of the simplest explanations to account for increased sensitivity in our society could be our improving living conditions. When faced with practical hardships, such as war and hunger, illness, etc., Putting food on the table and staying safe is understandably the main priority. It leaves little time to dwell on your feelings and emotions and those around you. As people within society become better and better off than they once were, this may explain the shift of our focus from physical well-being to emotional. The Melbourne School for Psychological Sciences, puts forth the idea of something that they call the concept creep. And they don't mean creep like a creepy person. They're talking about how concepts are creeping forward. And basically what they mean by the concept creep is this. They said, we keep stretching the boundaries of how we define things. For instance, the idea of abuse. And so abuse used to be defined this way. But now it encompasses more and more and more things so that things that were normal in the past are now considered abusive. They uh, have the concept creep applying to the idea of bullying. Things that used to be considered jokes or used to be considered normal on the schoolyard are now considered bullying. And so we keep expanding these things so that we are more easily offended. Am I too sensitive? Now, somebody might say, well, Don, these are cultural issues. These are political issues. What in the world are you doing discussing these from the pulpit? And with regard to preaching and Christianity, brethren, absolutely these things have a direct effect on the church. I want you to think about some ways. Number one, the cancel culture and the politically correct movement and the woke movement they say it is unacceptable to speak against homosexuality and transgenderism and sexual perversion. Well, that affects us. As a matter of fact, I don't think we are too far removed from legal implications against the church for taking stands such as this. This concept creep movement that is pushing the definition of abuse, it's gotten to the point that now we are asking questions like, Is any form of spanking physical abuse? You know, Christians who believe what the Bible says about disciplining your children, spanking your children, now they are in danger of social services being called. They're in danger of having uh, governmental action taken against them. We live in a world, and we preach in a world, and we worship in a world where people are offended by everything. And that poses challenges for those of us who are trying to practice the will of God. It makes it difficult for gospel preachers to teach things. In the 30 years that I've been preaching, 30 years ago things that we would preach regularly from the pulpit, now people are being offended by. And so absolutely these things have a direct impact on the church of our Lord. But this morning, I want you to lay aside the thoughts of political discussions and societal implications And I simply want you to ask yourself the question, am I too sensitive? Am I personally, just think about yourself, am I too sensitive? Now, you might ask the question, how would I know if I'm overly sensitive? You know, there's an old Carly Simon song that said, you're so vain, you probably think this song is about you. Well, if you're overly sensitive, then you probably think this sermon is about you, (laughs) Well, I'm I'm just kidding, kind of, but, you know, the idea of being sensitive is normally considered a good characteristic trait. You know, young ladies who are looking for a husband will sometimes say, I'm looking for a sensitive man. That's a good thing. Webster's Dictionary gives several definitions of the word sensitive. Number one says, highly responsive. Number two says, having or showing concern. Well, being highly responsive, that's a good thing. Uh, showing concern, especially for others. That's a trait that Christians should have. And so we're not talking today about being sensitive. We're talking today about being oversensitive, overly, excessively sensitive. That is, sensitive beyond what is good, sensitive beyond what we should be. And it's a good discussion for us to have as Christians because Being overly sensitive could be a hindrance both to me and my life, and especially with regard to my Christianity. The first thing I want to talk about today is some ways that being overly sensitive can manifest itself. Number one is this. If I am overly sensitive, it can cause me to make a mountain out of a molehill. Now, we all know what that means. It means that you take something that's very small and you turn it into something that is huge. I think about Haman from the scripture reading this morning. Haman was a man who was full of himself. We read about him in the book of Esther. He was second in command under the king himself. But there was a Jew by the name of Mordecai who, for religious reasons, he would not bow down to Mordecai or to Haman. Well, Haman was so furious, it was a small thing. One man refused to bow down to him, but he turned it into a tremendous deal. It consumed him. It ate him alive. Sometimes, if we're overly sensitive, we let little things turn into big things. Sometimes this involves jumping to conclusions. Sometimes we assume that someone has done something when... They haven't really done it after all. And so we let a small thing, or actually a non-existent thing, become a huge ordeal. Maybe because of this characteristic, I overanalyze things to the point that I create a problem that didn't exist in the first place. I was reading something on the internet while I was preparing this lesson, and it was about a woman who was overly sensitive. I want to read to you what she said. I copied this down. She said, my main difficulty is that I get hurt very easily. It can be over something as simple as someone I know passing me in a car and not waving. I always assume that I must have done something or I must have said something to make them angry or maybe they don't like me. Brethren, that's not healthy. Maybe the person didn't see you. Maybe the person's hands were busy. After all, they are, they're driving. There's lots of explanations But we sometimes can get all worked up over nothing. Oversensitivity equals overactive imagination, which equals assumptions, which equals me being upset about a problem that was never a problem in the first place. And brethren, this sort of thing happens in the church all the time. Especially in our modern day of text messaging. A person will send you a text message, you can't read their tone of voice, so you're thinking, I wonder what he meant by that. I bet I knew I, I bet I know what he meant by. Have you ever had that experience? Being overly sensitive can cause a person to make a mountain out of a molehill, and it causes problems in the church. Number two, being overly sensitive manifests itself in that it hurts relationships. You know, it is the nature of being a human being that we sometimes put our foot in our mouth. James chapter 3 and verse 2 says, If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. What does that mean? We all do it. We all mess up and say things that we shouldn't have. You can probably think of something that fits that uh, definition this morning. But here's the difference in an overly sensitive person and one who is not overly sensitive. The overly sensitive person says, well, I can't believe that he said that. I am through with him. Or, wonder what he meant by that. I'm not going to talk to him anymore. See what it does? It hurts relationships. Whereas, the one who is not overly sensitive says, ah, he probably didn't mean anything by it. I've done the same thing myself, put my foot in my mouth. You know, I think about Luke chapter 15. We've got the account there of the prodigal son and the... Older brother. We call him the elder brother. And you can call it what you will call it jealousy, call it pride, call it self righteousness but you've got to admit that the elder brother is overly sensitive. His younger brother comes home. He's been gone. They haven't heard from him. He's in a far country. When he comes home, dad throws a party for him. The older brother comes to the house and he hears the music and the celebration. He takes it as a slight. Against him. He takes it personally. Overly sensitive people put a spin on things that aren't really there. Number three, a way in which this manifests itself is it causes me to withdraw from things for fear of being hurt. Sometimes people are so sensitive that they will keep their distance from others for fear of being hurt, and they're not there to help others who might need them because they've withdrawn themselves. Sometimes they neglect their Christian responsibilities because of fear. You know, in Matthew chapter 25, the one talent man said that he neglected his responsibility because his master was, quote, a hard man. And he said that created fear in him, and so he went and hid his talent in the ground. Now here's the question, was he being too sensitive? Was his master's reaction or the the treatment that he was going to give, was that really a legitimate cause for withdrawing himself and doing nothing? Of course, the point of the parable is it was not legitimate. He was too sensitive about this. There are sites on the internet where you can go and you can write for psychological advice, and people will respond. It's kind of a uh, some of you who are older remember the Dear Abbey column is kind of the modern day version of Dear Abbey. I was reading one lady from Rhode Island. She wrote this. She said, I tend to take people's verbal slights to heart. How can I stop being so sensitive that I take things so personally? And the responder, the psychologist, or whatever she was, wrote this. She said the problem isn't that you're sensitive. The problem is that you are hypersensitive. That's what we're talking about. She says that is your skin is so thin you're practically see-through. She said to start by allowing yourself to become upset every time someone says something to you that you perceive to be critical or hurtful means that you are giving that person the power to determine how you feel. Secondly, you'll be perceived as someone who can't handle the truth, around whom others must walk on eggshells. This scenario quickly makes people get tired of you and makes them leave you alone. Here's number four. How does oversensitivity manifest itself? Well, it makes me get easily offended. Now, remember, we are talking about being overly sensitive. People getting offended at things that, that are petty. What are some, some petty things that sometimes people get offended at? And we're talking about in the church. Well, maybe somebody says, you know, my name was not in the announcements. My name wasn't in the bulletin. Maybe their stay in the hospital wasn't announced. You know, sometimes it might be the case, we weren't even aware of the situation the person was going through. I remember years ago... When I was in another state, I was uh, working at the church building one day. The phone rang. It was the uh, daughter of one of our members. This daughter did not attend the congregation there. And she set out to let me have it because I had not gone to see her dad in the hospital. We had not announced it. And my response was, this is the first I've heard about it. We don't even know. He didn't tell us that. None of us knew that he was in the hospital. People get upset, easily offended because they take it as a slight. Sometimes people get hurt um, because of um, someone saying something that hurts their feelings. I have on more than one occasion people get angry because they thought the sermon was directed at them. They will walk out and they'll say something like, I know you were talking about me today. And I will say, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, that's the power of God's Word. It has application to the hearts of man. And so we have a tendency to listen to it, and we apply it to ourselves, and sometimes people get offended. Sometimes people will be offended if someone sat in their seat or parked in their parking space. Now, you're probably saying, Don, you're being ridiculous. That is so petty. People do not get upset with things like that. Brethren, I wish that were true. I know of multiple occasions in the Lord's Church where a regular member would come in and make a visitor get out of their seat and move because you're in my seat. I hope that never happens at Willow Avenue. Talk about hurting our reputation. I mentioned to you recently that I know of an occasion in a congregation I preached at where one of our members, one of the elders was teasing him because of his last name, just friendly jesting. And this brother got so upset, he left and he said, I'm not going to go to a place where an elder makes fun of my name. And he did not set foot in that building for at least two years. I want to suggest to you that a person who gets offended over things such as these has a pride problem. If your pride is of this nature, your soul is in danger, even before you get mad and quit the church. James chapter 4 and verse 6 says, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Matthew 23 and verse 12 says, Whosoever exalts himself shall be abased, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And I'll tell you, if your pride and your ego are such that you get hurt over things like this, and it causes you to quit the church, there has never been a more true proverb than this. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Well, sometimes people get offended because brethren really do act ugly toward them. But you know, sometimes it's not even intentional. Sometimes people will say, well, he didn't even speak to me today. It could be that he didn't see you. It could be that he was busy. Maybe there was something that was important. Sometimes it's miscommunication. Sometimes, Have you ever had a situation where you thought someone meant something towards you, and you got upset about it, and it turns out it was not that at all? Maybe you've gotten upset about someone joking. The person was trying to make a joke, and, and for whatever reason it hit a nerve with you, and you just got upset. The person did not mean that at all? You see, sometimes it's not meant the way we perceive it, and we need to give the benefit of the doubt. But you might say, but Don, sometimes people are intentionally ugly. Brethren, should not act that way. And that's right. We know that. The Bible says, Romans 12 and verse 10, be kindly affection to one another in brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. But the fact is, sometimes Christians don't act that way. Philippians 2 and verse 3, In lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than himself." But the fact is, sometimes brethren don't act the way they should. The question for me, however, is, how will I handle it? I can be a person who wears my feelings on my shoulder, and I can quit the church, I can quit talking to that person, or even worse, I can go out and talk to everybody else about them, or I can act like a Christian. I can let my light shine. When I was in Alabama years ago, I told you that uh, there was a man that came out on one occasion and he shook my hand and he said, that was a very good sermon for you today, which is very unusual for you. Well, what do you do with that? Do I quit the church? Do I say, I'm never talking to that brother again? How I deal with situations like that is going to say something about my Christianity, I want you to ponder something. Don't you know that the Lord had far more hurtful things than that, said to him? What if the Lord had gotten mad and quit his mission? What if he'd said, just forget this. I'm not going to save these people because they're going to talk to me like that. If that had been the case, you and I would be lost. How does this manifest itself? As I mentioned, some people quit the church. Now, I know that that sounds a bit far-fetched, that someone would be so overly sensitive that they would quit going to church. But you know, I could count numerous times through the years when I have seen exactly that happen, and you can probably think of some examples of it too. Ladies and gentlemen, surely such a person is too sensitive when they will let a conflict or a supposed conflict cause them to leave the Lord? Sometimes people perceive that a person meant something, and they'll quit the church, and they never even go and ask them. And they're gone for years because of something that they thought was true, and it may not even be true. And why would a person turn his back on God? Because one of his brethren isn't what he should be. I have never understood why people will get so mad that they will give up their soul to spite other people. You know, we've been studying in Wednesday night class, Acts chapter 15 where there was a conflict between Paul and Barnabas. In fact, the Bible says it was a sharp contention. So much so that verse 39 says, they parted company and they went their separate ways. What if Paul had gotten mad and quit the church? What if he said, that Barnabas, he's just a jerk. I'm through with this. I don't need this. I was a bigwig in the Jewish religion. I'll go back to that. Or what if Barnabas had gotten mad and quit the church? Paul's supposed to be an apostle talking to me like that. If that had been the case, the rest of the missionary journeys wouldn't have taken place. But neither one quit the church. In fact, both of them went on to do good things in the Lord's kingdom, and later they worked together and are great examples in the Lord's church. Another way that it manifests itself is what I'm calling church hopping. In the state of Tennessee, there are 5,000 congregations of the Church of Christ. I looked this up yesterday. There are over 500,000 members of the Lord's Church, and 40% of all the churches of Christ in America are located in Tennessee. And in some ways, that's not good. Now you might say, Don, what are you saying? How can you say that that is not good? I say that because of the reason that there is a church on every corner in Tennessee, Many times, the reason that there's a congregation on every corner is because someone got offended at one place, and they wouldn't because someone didn't speak to them, they didn't get their way, and so they went across to the next corner, and they started another congregation. And that's not good. And then, with all of the different congregations to choose from, whenever I get offended, I can just hop somewhere else. And there are folks who have a history of doing that. Every church I've ever been a part of, I have known some people that have been members of this church for a little while, and then they'll come and be with us for a little while, and they'll tell us how bad they were, and we think, okay, we're good, they'll be with us. And it's not long, and they've left us, and they go somewhere else, and we know it's not going to be long until they've seen their true colors. And Now, I understand, I want you to understand, I'm not talking about people leaving a congregation for matters of truth. Sometimes people have to leave a church because the preacher is teaching error or the elders won't stand for the truth. That is not what I'm talking about. I am not discussing matters of faith. Number two, I'm not talking about people leaving a congregation because they have relocated or because they have moved. Sometimes people uh, will go to another congregation because it's just too far. Not talking about that. I'm not talking, number three, about people who are not being spiritually fed. Some congregations just exist. There's no spiritual feeding or growth occurring. Sometimes the sermons might be just fluff and people are experiencing spiritual starvation. I'm not talking about that. I heard a a little story that I think illustrates well what I am talking about. The story tells about a man who was a survivor of a shipwreck. And he was the only survivor. He swam to the the shore of an uncharted island, and he lived there by himself for the next five years. Finally, some sailors spotted the smoke from his campfire, and they came and they rescued the man from the island. As they were leaving the island, one of the sailors noticed that there were three huts on the island. And they asked the man, what are those three huts? And the man said, well, the first one, that was my home. That's where I lived. And the sailor said, what about the second one? And he said, well, that's where I went to church. And the sailor said, what about the third one? And he said, well, that's where I used to go to church before I got mad and left. (laughs) Well, that's a silly story, but it paints an accurate picture of what so many are doing today. A person will get their feelings hurt, and he will leave a congregation for another Brethren, when a person is offended and he leaves for another congregation, he doesn't try to resolve it. He doesn't try to seek out the the resolution to find out if it's even real. Instead of working through the difficulty and being patient and practicing forgiveness and brotherly kindness, people instead sometimes use their membership and their money and the threat of leaving as a form of bribery to get their way. And if I can't get it here, I will go to another congregation. And you know what? They exchange one set of problems for another, and the process begins again. One brother wrote this. He said, I wonder if much of the, quote, church hopping we see today would cease if people were more concerned about what they can contribute to a congregation rather than focusing on what the congregation Can do for them. He says, I believe we would be better off if we would focus less on self and, like the song says, more on thee. Brethren, we need to think about what we owe to the local church. We need to think about the fact that the members there depend on us. We need to consider the fact that part of the workload there belongs to me. The local church depends on me numerically and financially. And I need to think about how it hurts when I get mad and leave. So what do we do about this? What advice does the Bible give us for dealing with the concept of one who is overly sensitive? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. This evening, we're going to study for Matthew chapter 15, and specifically an interaction that Jesus has with a woman who exemplifies what we ought to be. I hope you'll be back at that time. It may be that there's someone here this morning who needs to obey the gospel. If you want to become a Christian, you need to know that the Bible teaches in order to to be a child of God, a person needs to hear, believe, repent, confess, and then be immersed in water, baptized in water to contact the saving blood of Jesus, to be washed of his sins, and to be added to the church. If you'll do those things... The Lord will make you one of his children. Your sins will be washed. You'll be white as snow, and you can do that today. We are ready to assist you. Maybe you're here as a member of the Lord's church, and you need prayers on your behalf. We would count it in honor if we could go to God and pray for you. This morning, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, won't you come? Together we stand and sing the invitation song.